Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Patricia DeFonte, founder of DeFonte Law. Patricia, welcome to the program today. I am so excited to be doing this podcast with you. Thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan. I have learned so much. I never miss an episode or an issue or whatever a podcast is called. I'm really happy to be here today. Ah, I'm happy to have you on the podcast today. Looking forward to this conversation for a long time. We've known each other for years, but not everyone may know what you do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Defonte Law? I'm happy to, and I'm offended that not everybody knows what I do. (laughs) Why are we going to fix that? (laughs) (laughs) I practice estate planning with heart. So I have a master's in estate planning, probate and trust administration. So, you know, that's the technical side. What I think is as interesting or sometimes even more interesting is the emotional side of estate planning. It's helping people figure out who really loves them, who can they really trust, who's relying on them, maybe outside of their significant other, outside of their children. And how do we create an estate plan that puts the right people in place to take care of them if they can't take care of themselves, to take care of their children, and to make sure that an inheritance doesn't wind up hurting people. Family harmony, making sure all the different people get along, really careful crafting of who gets money under what circumstances. That's the kind of stuff that leads to hopefully success in the long, 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 long run, because we don't want anything happening in the short term. And you are known throughout you know, San Francisco and the greater Bay Area for how you do estate planning. I know it's a little bit different than what one attorney might expect. So what are some of the things that you do that, that sets you apart from you know, your stereotypical estate planning attorney? Sure. Well, the first thing is we spend an extraordinary amount of time with our clients. The first meeting is two hours long. And you might think, oh, my gosh, what could you possibly have to talk about? Just write down who I want to give my stuff to. We don't start there. We start out educating the client with what an attorney-client relationship means and what it is. We remind our married couples not to tell us secrets. If spouse number one tells me they have a secret baby, I have to go and tell spouse number two. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of set the guideposts for what the relationship means. We, before we really get into estate planning, we take a close look at all of the client's advisors. When's the last time you talked to your insurance broker? Oh my gosh, but your house is worth $700,000 more now. You need mm-hmm. to go and, and have that conversation and mitigate that risk. We're always looking to mitigate risk. We'll talk about, are you maximizing your relationship with your financial advisor? Have you shown your financial advisor your benefits package? Do you need a financial advisor? How's your relationship with your CPA? So we really, you know, the clients are going to be with us for a few months and hopefully we'll see them every few years. But if we never see them again, we want to make sure that they have the best possible team supporting them as they move through life. A team that will remind them, you got to go see your estate planning lawyer something probably changed over these years. That's one thing differentiates us. Yeah. And you were going to talk about a couple of others. So please do. Yeah. I think another thing is I pay a lot of attention to our technology. We have a really powerful client management software that allows us to press one button and then lots of follow-up emails. So things are not falling through the cracks because somebody, person forgot something. 
A lot of it is automated, including all the client follow-ups after they've signed their documents, which is critical because I hear all the time from clients who used to work with other lawyers, we never heard from them again. This should be a lifelong relationship. You should be hearing from your estate planning lawyer forever because the laws change, people change, assets change, and you have to, you know, the care and feeding and maintenance of a trust is important. We also use um, really great drafting software that is recognized by the American Bar Association and lawyers all over the country use it. Being here in San Francisco means that my clients may eventually move back to Wisconsin, Louisiana, New York, South Dakota. We can find a wealth council lawyer there for them. And maybe they don't have to rip all the documents apart and redo everything. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just, oh, in Louisiana, we need Article 74. And what is this California nonsense? And And the other lawyer can just make modifications without turning it into, you know, a very, very expensive and drawn out process. And the other benefit is. Yeah. I love that forward thinking approach. And one thing I know that probably piqued the ears of the attorney entrepreneurs that are listening is this idea of automation. So tell us a little bit about this idea that you had for automating. And then what are some of the tools that you've used? Take us through that journey of how you actually were able to automate your firm. Sure. So I use Clio Grow. Am I allowed to say the exact one? I use yes, Clio Grow. Please. Yeah. Okay. Clio Grow I, is awesome. I love, I love Clio Grow. It makes me money. Do not tell them, but I would pay them instead of, I think I pay them $1,000 a year. I would pay them $10,000 a year <laughs> for the amount of money they make me. And it's because of the automation. For example, a potential client will connect with us either through our website, by email, or we'll do a phone call together, or maybe they've come in by a referral. We automatically capture as much information as we can about them in Clio. And then we immediately schedule follow-up tickers and follow-up emails. So if they've come in from a referral partner, hey, you put us together with you, put us in touch with your client. We haven't heard from them. So just so that the advisor knows, hey, the client maybe has not taken care of this issue or the advisor can get back to us and say, oh, they're working with someone else. Thank you so much for checking in. And we can also check in with the client. Hey, you know, you were interested in estate planning. Here's a reminder about probate. Here's a reminder about advanced healthcare directives. Mm-hmm. Here's a reminder in a newsletter about how to select guardians for your children. So every reminder that we send out, every touch that we send out is substantive. So we're really trying to put information which empowers potential clients and really encourages them to make the decision to book the appointment. Because until you have a personalized estate plan, oh, the default rules are not good. <laughs> right. You don't want to be stuck in those for sure. Well, I love that idea. And you're using a tool. It's an add-on to Clio, but it, most of the people that are listening are using Clio or something like it. And I hear this all the time from attorneys. They want to automate their systems and processes but oftentimes the software they already have is capable of doing it. They just haven't gone through and fully utilized the software. And so Patricia, was this something that you could have got going on your own or did you bring in another firm to help you get this, get Clio and Clio grow up and running? Well, another way (laughs) that I clone myself is, you know, because definitely all this automation, you're cloning yourself, right? Right, Cloning little parts of yourself. The other way I clone myself is I hire virtual assistants through Freedom Makers. And so my Freedom Maker and I figured out how to use what was then Lexicata. And then when it became part of Clio, I attended Clio Con. She, the year later, attended Clio Cloud. 
And we kind of figured it out together. And, you know, we've tried bringing in other people to show us how to do things with other types of technology. And it it's never been a big win. <laughs> a lot of promises <laughs> and not a lot of reward. So I think that having a dedicated team member, and she's now my office manager, having a dedicated team member that really that's their role. And she didn't know how to do any of this when we started. We're just both committed to building something that is good for us, for our families. And we're bringing on more people, more team members and standard operating procedures using Clio, using Wealth Council. It helps us streamline and it helps us grow. I love that I because... At the wheel. Yeah, why bother, right? But the nice thing is you're using these tools and you're customizing them in a way that's going to work for you and your firm going forward. Yes. And you know you have to be careful because especially with Clio, the way that they describe Clio Grow is you use it until you book the client. And after you book the client, then everything happens in Clio Manage, which is a much a very traditional client management software tool. Clio Grow is a moneymaker because you can set up all those emails for after you've signed with the client. That's, that's where the forever relationship happens because you can set up all of these automated emails. Clio Manage is great. It's fine. But Clio Grow is where you can really make a lot of money. Where you can grow. <laughs> it's well-named. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And those two work together very, very well. And I remember when I had some clients with Lexicata who have now transitioned to Clio Grow, there was nothing like it on the market at the time. I still don't think there's anything quite like it out there. So glad to hear that you're using it. Love it. I awesome. am a Clio Grow evangelist. <laughs> And so take us through your journey about, you know, starting your estate planning firm and growing your firm and then realizing, oh my gosh, I'm going to really start automating stuff and I'm going to start hiring a team and really building this. That was probably a progression and I would love to hear about it. Sure. So I started off true solo, terrified. So, I had, you know, <laughs> getting the master's, I did an entrepreneur program through Golden Gate University, which was wonderful. They forced you to write a business plan and every week, for about 10 weeks, Saturday morning, three hours, challenging your assumptions, reconfiguring, rejiggering, you know, and what's interesting is the most important one I went to, I didn't want to go. I was feeling exhausted. And, you know, because I had two little kids, I'm going to night school three nights a week. And Saturday morning, I just wanted to sleep. And I went and the topic that day was social media. Oh, <gasps> changed my life. <laughs> I didn't think that lawyers were supposed to use social media. I make at least a third of my money just being in mom's groups on Facebook. But it's it's not just that I'm there. It's that I am part of that community and I'm an estate planning lawyer. I'm just embedded with my clients and we're having a great time. All my potential clients, right? That is my client pool. And so learning that, oh, lawyers do use social media and you can be just a person in the world. And it changed my mind about my brand. I decided my brand is me. I am my walking brand. Often when you see me, I'll be wearing exactly what I'm wearing on my website. <laughs> Easily spottable. I like that. I like the business side. I like the marketing side. I like the branding side of running my own business. I find it really rewarding. And it came as a surprise. Now the law side of the business, you know, like actually practicing as a lawyer and trying to do the business side all alone at first, you know, it's hard because you feel like you're never going to get that first client. And then you do one or two or three and you do friends, you don't charge them that much because you're getting used to your software. Everything takes you forever. You don't even know where to print things. Print them and it's a mess. The printer you bought is stupid. 
your computer's not fast enough, right? It's just headache after headache after headache. Mm-hmm. But it happens pretty quickly because I went from, I think the first month I made, I think $4,000. And the next month I made 12. And I thought that was amazing. And then say like, maybe I held steady there for a couple of months as I was just trying to figure it out. And then it jumped to like 25. And it just keeps jumping. Because once you really get going, if you know what you're doing, you're friendly, <laughs> you know how to market yourself a little bit. This is a fantastic area of the law. There, you know, not enough people have estate plans. There's more than enough work for everybody. And the estate planning bar is very, very collaborative. And so no one will ever discourage you from becoming an estate planning lawyer. No one will be competitive with you. Everyone is warm and accepting and interested in the way that other people approach it and the way that other people do it. So it's a really fun area to practice the law. That's cool. And, and that, that matches with the experience I've heard from other estate planning attorneys as well. There were a couple of things you said that really jumped out at me. And one of these, I just want to comment quickly back to the attorney entrepreneurs that are listening. One of the things Patricia mentioned is she is in mom's Facebook groups and she has gotten a lot of business from that. But please, please, please understand Patricia is involved in those groups. She is building oh, yeah. relationships in those yes. groups. <laughs> that oh, is my the gosh. key. <laughs> These women make literally make lemonade out of my lemons from my backyard. We, hey, is anybody in this part of town? My kid forgot his blah, blah, blah at the park. And I'm like, I found it and I'm bringing it to you. Like, we're real people who, if we can touch in real life, we like to. We, we are always there to help each other. And it's a kind of a neat community. That is so cool. And the fact that estate planning is so underserved means you can do that. You can have people yeah. in your neighborhood and you can build an amazing practice just from people yes. all around you. It doesn't have to be yeah. national in scope if you don't want to. No, that's just, that's too much. That's, so, that's I don't know. I don't have energy for that. There's a lot there. I know, I know. So take me back to a point in time, Patricia. I want you to think back to, you know, your, your business is doing well and it's picking up and it's significant growth month over month, year over year. And at some point you realize, my gosh, I have to do things differently. I need to start working on systems and maybe think about bringing in people and utilizing technology. When, you know, take me through what you were going through that led you to, this is what I have to do now. I don't have a choice. I have to say my voracious networking really served me well because I met some wonderful coaches along the way at the Attorney Action Club, at BNI, at other groups. And so great tip that I got was the very first person you hire should be a bookkeeper. And I met my bookkeeper at BNI and she's been with me ever since. And that was, she was my first person. And that was about six months in because I couldn't, I'm not a math person. And I was very nervous about that side of the business. About six months later, I started hearing about freedom makers, freedom makers. And what you need to do is write down all the things you don't want to do or the things that you shouldn't be doing that are taking up your time. And once you've got that good list and you feel really comfortable with it, you need to hire an assistant to do those things for you. And you slowly, once they get their competence in those, let's say 10 things, start adding those things. And the way that you can build on it is you really have to reduce everything to writing and have a standard operating procedure. You have to have, if you're the only employee, you need to make your own employee manual. So I don't have any original thoughts when it comes to doing any of this. I am a huge stealer of ideas. 
And I read a lot because running a business doesn't come naturally for me. I like it. I think it's fun, but I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time, right? Nobody ever taught me how to do any of these things. So I think that listening to true experts who aren't trying to sell you anything, aren't try- but are just really enthusiastic about what they do, have a really good track record. Like, you know, people who work with them, taken their advice and seen the results. You can shortcut so much. You can really avoid potholes by really paying attention to all the ancillary experts you'll need. You know, I showed my team my org chart the other day. They had no idea. I said, you know, there's you guys. There's, we have another lawyer. We have client relations, an office manager, and a media admin. I said, do you, do you guys know who else is on the team? We have IT. We have bookkeeping. We have an employment lawyer. We have an ethics lawyer. We have the malpractice insurance carrier. I have my business insurance. There are a lot of personalities involved with me running this little tiny practice. So don't kid yourself that you're doing this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You have to build a team. And Patricia, when is the right time to start building a team and to start thinking about systems? I'd say that if you're feeling pretty good about how much money you're making and your stress level is starting to rise right then. I heard a great one where you hire for pain, not for pleasure. So it's great to sit around and think about, I would love a very expensive website and I would love to hire someone to do all this admin stuff that I don't want to do. But if you can't really afford it, you're not quite there yet. I think that once you start feeling that pressure, that stress a little bit, then you have to hire someone else. And you, if you have let it go too long, what that means, like if you just are under so much pressure, the money's coming in and you can't keep up with the work, it's okay to put yourself on pause. It's okay to just clear the bubble. Nobody knows where you are. You're just booked. They don't know that you are in your pajamas trying to catch up with admin and making estate planning binders or whatever it is you're doing. You're allowed to take that time for yourself as a person and as a business owner and clear the bubble and catch up. And part of that catching up is I, I need help. I need, I need to bring someone on, right? I need to not think about my corporation. I need a lawyer who's going to remind me which forms I need to fill out, what buttons I need to press every year. So don't wind up, you know, being stuck with penalties. I need a bookkeeper so I don't get the attention of the IRS. I need an admin so that I'm not doing the sending out all these rote emails. I need an admin who can set up my Clio for me (laughs) and put all of our emails into it and just send them so that I don't have to think about this nonsense anymore. You know, you're so right, Patricia. And the fun thing about this is when attorneys start to discover this and they're scared maybe to initially start or nervous and they start doing it, they realize how liberating it is. And all of a sudden they're delegating like, I'm delegating this, I'm delegating that, and I'm bringing this person, I'm bringing on that person. It's so cool. And attorney entrepreneurs, there's there's a really specific way that we teach this in Law Firm Success Group. We teach something called the 2010 five rule. And Patricia, I think I talked about this when you were at the workshop, but it's a way of figuring out where you are spending too much time. And that first number is what I want to talk about today. That's the 20. That's 20 hours a week of client work. If you're a solo attorney or you've got a small firm and you're spending more than 20 hours a week on client work, you need to bring somebody on board. It could be part-time, uh, could be a contractor, could be full-time, could be paralegals, could be an associate, whatever it happens to be. But more than 20 hours of client work 
is too much. And it's a clear sign that you need to go ahead and outsource because when you bring that person on, you're going to have to invest some time to train them and bring them up to speed. And if you're already buried, it's a very stressful thing to do. So that's something to think about because it will be faster than what you might think because at 20 hours a week of client work, you're not going to be drowning yet, but that is the time to go ahead and think about who that next person is who can come in and offload some of that work. So you can spend more time on building a practice, spend more time on figuring out the admin components and those other things. I want to talk about the importance of saying no, absolutely not. No, thank you. No. I think that whatever your practice area is, you make an affirmative decision. This is what I do. This is who I work with. And I'm not getting up off the couch for less than X amount of money. For me, as an estate planning lawyer, I, for example, I don't do piecemeal work. If you come to me and you just want a durable power of attorney, no, I will do a full estate planning, a full estate plan, a full revocable trust package. That's what I do. And my fees start at X. And if that doesn't work for you, then I'm not the right lawyer for you. And maybe I can give you a referral. I think it's really important not to start touching a whole bunch of matters that are not lucrative. When you're starting out, you know, there's a lot of fear. Like, oh, I'm going to take everything that comes through the door, every tiny little thing. You don't have to do that. Don't do that because it takes your time away from maybe going to the event where you're going to meet the right people or reading the book that you need to read, or working on your standard operating procedure, things that really do help the infrastructure of your business. Because I promise you that $1,000 client is not going to help your business. That $500, I just need help with this advanced health care directive real quick. It, uh, no. It's not going to help your business long-term. Absolutely not. No, it's but absolutely it, not. It might and help also, in the short-term, but in the long-term, it's not going to help you build your practice. In my experience, and just about everyone I've talked to, everyone wishes they hadn't done it, that they just drilled down a little harder and focused a little bit more and not panicked so much with all the little things. And I would also say there's definitely a tendency with new estate planning lawyers to take on the stuff no one else will touch. Oh my gosh, they're a blended family. And one of the children is special needs. And, you know, the exes are terrible people and they want to get involved. And so you just know that as soon as somebody dies, there's going to be litigation or the just complex, complex, complex scenarios, don't take them. <laughs> you don't have to. They're not going to be lucrative. They're going to drive you nuts. The more that you can streamline what you do and replicate what you do, my approach is I started working with happy, proactive married couples. And that's all I did for a year. And then I started building in, well, let's work with unmarried couples. And then I built in, let's work with green card holders. And then I built in, let's work with divorcing clients. And all of these silos of clients, all these categories, the conversations are different, the referrals are different, the documents are a little bit different, the needs are different. So if you can really drill down and get really, really good at various silos within your practice area, just do one at a time, get really good at it, because then when you're ready to bring on that next lawyer, you can hand it off because you know you'll have your employee book all ready to go. Like, okay, so you do these really simple ones. And I'll go do the more complex ones now. Because you'll get to the point where the simple ones are like, well, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this again. I mean, estate planning is a little different because the personalities and the stories. But I think that digging deep into one track, becoming an expert there, and then picking up something else is, um, 
is a way to make a lot of money and yeah. to keep your peace of, of mind. Of course it is. Yeah. The, the, the expression is the riches are in the niches, right? Yes. And you get paid for your expertise. Yeah. My point was that because I've worked with attorneys before who have been in really, really scary financial situations. And sometimes oh, you got to yeah. make an exception and just take the money, you know, oh, sure. you know, it's not moving you forward and you get it, but sometimes you just need to make ends meet. Sure. But when we talk about, you know, long-term and being intentional, that's what you and I are really talking about here. It's figuring out an area of specialization, figuring out the kind of practice that you want, because here's the cool thing about owning your own practice. You can make it whatever you want. You can serve the clients you want. You can do the kind of work and take on the types of cases that you want. You can set up and the time off that you want and the income that you want to make. You can do all of that. You just may not be able to do all of it from day one, but you can start to move in that direction. And that's the part that I really love about working with small firms. And Patricia, I know you've taken a lot of steps to do that. What were some of the things you did to say, okay, here's where I want to go long-term. Here's where I am short-term now. And I want to go from point A to point B. So I need a plan to do that. I'm a huge fan of coaching. And so whether it's, I did a fantastic day long workshop with you and it really opened my eyes to thinking about the different silos of clients and what I charge them. Where, where can I put my energy to work the same amount, same number of clients, but they're more lucrative. And so that was fantastic. And thinking about where to position myself so that people can find me really drilling down on where I'm putting my energy and not wasting time where there isn't enough of a return. Another thing that I do, I love coaching. I think it's wonderful. Another thing that I do, and I still use the one-page business plan that I made in your um, in your coaching day. Yeah. I love that thing. I look at it at least three times a year. I also will lock myself away. So if you can afford it, go to a hotel room. If you can't, ask a friend if you can just go hunker down in their conference room for two or three days, right? Or if they have an empty office, go to your mom's basement. Like anywhere that people will leave you alone so that you can just think about the business of your business. One of the best things I ever did to create my infrastructure was I checked myself into a hotel and I didn't leave the room the whole time. And I just wrote all of these, all these little emails. Thank you for calling. It's been a month since we spoke. It's been three months since we spoke. Nine months. Hey, it's been a year. We won't contact you again. We hope everything is well with you. And really, you know, by the end, they weren't making a whole lot of sense. They were, you could tell I was getting tired. <laughs> getting a little punchy. Hand, yeah, a little punchy. But I handed everything over to a content writer. And she knew me from the mom's group. So she knows my tone of voice. She knows what I sound like, what I'm like. And she made them adorable and personable and me. And those eventually, as I was creating more newsletters and I found more articles that I liked, we beefed them up with links to articles in my old newsletters. I try to do this two or three times a year where I just disappear. And I'm not doing anything so much. It can be a lot of thinking, a lot of like reviewing things that I've done in coaching seminars. Like, well, what were my ideas? What did I want to work on? Have I circled back to those connections? Just to make sure that I'm always progressing a little bit. And then it's important to just go away and do nothing too. But I think that locking yourself away so that you can work on your business. Um, what do you always say? Work on the business, not in the business is critical. 
It really is. And by the way, attorney entrepreneurs, if you want to get access to the one page strategic plan, which is the same one that Patricia has been using all these years, you can do that via the website. Just go to lawfirmsuccessgroup.com and you can click on, I think the button is get my business toolkit. And you get the one page strategic plan template, which is the same thing that I use with all my clients. You get a video on how to fill it out and you get an example of one that's already been pre-done for you. So you can see how to exactly do it. So Patricia, thank you for sharing all these insights with the group. I want to ask you for one more thing. Yeah. When you think back to you know yourself as an attorney, just getting started out there, trying to build your book of business, trying to grow your firm, what words of advice would you give to attorneys that are in that situation? I'd say don't isolate yourself. You know, I've been a lawyer since 2002. I was an entertainment lawyer. I was a copyright lawyer. It took a long time off to be home with my family. When I came back to do estate planning, I, I, sure, I'm a lawyer. I'm autodidactic. I could figure it out. But I wanted, I wanted the framework and the education, and I wanted the network. I wanted to be in the room with the best and brightest. And I wanted to be in the room with people like me who wanted to learn how to do it. I wanted to learn from the best and be on the team at the same time. I think that it's critical not to shut yourself away. You're going to need other people who do what you do. And you're going to need to find out who else do my clients need? Do my clients need financial advisors, immigration lawyers? How can I be a hub for them? And if you can put a lot of energy there, you're going to learn so much more that will enrich your practice keep you interested, help you spot issues to help your clients. Being a lawyer can be lonely because when we actually get to practice law, which maybe, you know, 20% of the time when you own your own business, it's intense and it's lonely and you're by yourself. And usually the way it works when you're by yourself is that 20% turns into, well, now I've locked my way for a week just to clear the bubble. And so you're really alone. So it's important to create a community around yourself, join a networking group, get out, and meet your neighbors, get out and be with real people and know what the people like your clients understand what they're really worried about beyond what you're doing for them. We, I think we all do our clients a disservice if they come to us and say, could you please do X for me? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, probably. But let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. What are you trying to accomplish overall? What is all this? Yeah. What are we doing here? And Patricia, speaking of clients, who is a really good client for you? Oh. I work exclusively with happy, proactive people, generally young professionals with new families, new families. A few things that I do that not all estate planning lawyers love doing is I love working with unmarried couples. They are so much fun. And there are so many misconceptions, especially in the Bay Area with so many people who are not from California. So many crazy ideas about common law marriage and, and other things. And I'm really, really developing a soft spot and a good proficiency for working with divorcing people. It's, you know, I said happy, proactive people. Well, we want to help them be happy. And they're definitely proactive because they're making a huge change in their lives. And it's very gratifying to be a member of that team and help somebody transition into the next phase of life. Awesome. And Patricia, if people want to reach you, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, hit me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn <laughs> all the time. Every time I go to the kitchen to make my kids lunch, I've got, you know, the phone in one hand and the hand on the wooden spoon in the other. And I'm on LinkedIn. So I check it all the time. Very, very reachable. Patricia, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing with us all the insights that you've picked up over the years and tips. The listeners are really going to love this. And thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It's going to be strange to hear my voice. I've never done a podcast before. So um, this is going to be fun. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.